Get Back to Basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. I wonder if anybody knows what happened 2,419 years ago today. 2,419 years ago. That would have taken us to the year nine, sorry, 397 before the Common Era. Remember, we're in 2022. If we go back to 397 before 2022 or 2022 years ago, we get to 2,419 years ago. It was something that was happening as we speak that time in Babylon. Any guesses? Well, I'll tell you. It was actually the day on which the king, Tzidkiah, passed away. This is Rabbi Michael Katz, and it's great to join you today with our episode of Judaism 101.9. Great to be in your company. Beautiful to have you with me. And yes, starting with a quiz question. What happened 2,419 years ago? We just told you the answer. King Tzidkiah died. Now, what's so important about the passing of King Tzidkiah in 397 before the Common Era or 2,419 years ago was actually that Tzidkiah was the last king of the royal house of David that reigned in the Holy Land of Israel. He came to the throne in 434 before the Common Era after the uh, notorious Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon exiled his nephew, the nephew of Tzidkiah, whose name was Negechonia, he exiled him to Babylon. And so in 425, before the Common Era, so nine years later, Tzidkiah rebelled against the Babylonian rule um, as they were unduly suppressive, etc., 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 and he rebelled. And Nebuchadnezzar then famously laid siege to Yerushalayim on the 10th of Tavis of that year, and in the summer of 423 before the Common Era, the walls of Jerusalem, Yerushalayim, were penetrated, and the first holy temple was destroyed. The people of Yehuda were then exiled to Babylon. Tzidkiah tried to escape at that time through a tunnel leading out of the city, but he was captured. His sons were murdered before his eyes, and he was blinded. Tzidkiah languished then in the royal dungeon in Babylon until Nebuchadnezzar's death in 397 before the Common Era. And it was then that his son and successor, Merudoch, freed him and his nephew, Yechoniah, on the 27th of Adar, which is today. He freed him on this day, but with the strange, terrible twist of irony, Tzidkiah actually died on that same day, on the day that he was freed, on the day that he was let go, 27th of Adar, 397, before the Common Era, or 2,419 years ago today. Just a little bit of information about how powerful Jewish history is, and we think about the fact that this uh, terrible event happened in our past, in our history, and it just gives us a little bit of an inkling that at that time, we were only kind of halfway back to uh, where we go back to when it comes to Pesach and so on, and uh, Matan Toratenu and so on. All of those things took, way, it took place way before uh, King Tzidkiah and Yechonia and so on, and the Babylonian exile. Our history is one that is long and beautiful, 
yes, dotted with uh, terrible, terrible things, harsh and difficult stuff. But of course, every single year, we keep on celebrating, commemorating and thinking about all the positive stuff. And of course, coming up on this Shabbat, we have a really, really powerful triple header, a triple reason to be joyous. On this coming Shabbos, we are going to be taking out of the of the Oren Kodesh three Torah scrolls, three scrolls, three different portions that are going to be read from <coughs> each one of those three different scrolls, or rather, a different portion will be read from each scroll, if you get the drift, one from the first one, one from the second, and one from the third. What do we read from the first Torah scroll is, of course, Parshas Tazria. This is not a Parsha Shir, so we're not going to deal with Parshas Tazria. We're going to leave that to the Parsha Shir experts who will be talking to you in the balance of the week. That is the first Torah scroll, Parshat Tazria. It's a little bit unusual that we're reading this uh, before Pesach. Usually Tazria and the Torah and all of these Parshas come after Pesach, but being that this is a leap year, it's kind of thrown that schedule a little bit late. Um, but, of course, there'll be a time when it'll all be caught up. So, not to worry. We're going to get through all the parashiot in the year. From the second Torah scroll, we're going to read all about Rosh Chodesh. Because, believe it or not, on this coming Shabbat, it is Rosh Chodesh. And this is not just any Rosh Chodesh. This is Rosh Chodesh Nisan. It is the beginning of what is known as the first month in the Jewish calendar. Yes, we'll talk about it a little bit later. It's a little confusing that we have a system with months that doesn't quite line up with the system of years, the years and the months, while we do in, uh, Lord and praise and put them all into the same category and consider them to all be part of the same year. But the beginning of the first month actually begins on this coming Shabbat. The beginning of the year began, as we know, on the Rosh Hashanah. Uh, now, uh, seven, six months ago, going on seven months ago, that is when we began Rosh Hashanah. Yeah? So we've got that quite clear, and we know exactly what we're talking about. Here we have the unusual thing of the beginning of the months. Now, because it is also Rosh Chodesh Nisan, because it is not only Rosh Chodesh, but it is the month of Nisan that we're going into, this new year of the months, so to speak, we also read a separate Parsha. And we spoke about that some time ago, that we have before Pesach every year four very significant special Parshiot that are read two before Purim, two between Purim and Pesach. We read the one of the two of the balance last week. That was Parshat Para, or about the Paraduma, the Paraduma the red cow, the red heifer, and all about its purity and purification uh, purposes in the times of the base time ignition, times of the temple. And then this Shabbat, the last of those four, is read, and it is called Parshat HaChodesh. It is the very first mitzvah given to the Jewish people of HaChodesh HaZelachem, to run a calendar, to have months, to commemorate our Yomim Tovim, our Yom Tovs in the right times and the right seasons. It is the instruction that Hashem gave to the Jewish people, the first mitzvah that we were given as the Jewish people, HaChodesh HaZelachem, that is the third Torah reading for this Shabbat. So, number one, Parsha Tazria, number two, we're going to read about Rosh Chodesh, the offerings that were brought on a Rosh Chodesh on the first day of the month, and then HaChodesh HaZelachem, the overriding principle of having to have a system, a calendar that functions in the way that it does, 
um, in order to give us all our Chagim, all our festivals in the right season and to run the Jewish calendar as it should be. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. Hi and welcome back. Yes, great to be with you. We are looking at things Jewish in Judaism 101.9. Speaking about uh, things Jewish and coming up to this coming Shabbat, we mentioned that we read from three Torahs on the Shabbos. Now, it's not the only time the three Torahs are taken out of the Oran Kodesh, taken out of the Ark. And you may know of some of the times when three Torahs are taken out of the Ark. Think about it. The first one that probably jumps to mind is Kol Nidre night. Kol Nidre night, we take out three Torahs. And the Koyan, the Levi, the Yisrael, usually three special Torahs that stand around the Chazan when he recites the Kol Nidre. That is the custom that's practiced in most shuls around the world. However, we don't read from the Torahs then. They are there, symbols of our faith, symbols of our adherence to God's Torah, symbols of giving us the focus, I guess. But there are several other occasions where the Torahs are actually read. And in fact, there are only four possibilities throughout the Jewish year when three Torahs would be read, one following the other on the same Shabbat or at the same Yom Tov, the same event. The first one, which springs to mind, of course, and I'm sure that everybody knows this one, is Simchat Torah. On Simchat Torah, we take out three Torahs that are read one after the other. From the first Torah, we will read the concluding portion of the last part of the book of Dvarim, the book of Deuteronomy. From the next one, we would read the beginning of Bereshit Bara, starting the Torah all over again. And from the third one, we would read the special portion for Shmini Atzeret Simchat Torah, the Yom Tov portion from Parshat Pinchas. So there are three Torahs, three sections that are read, three different Parshas on Simchat Torah. What are the other occasions? Well, it can happen that Rosh Chodesh will coincide with Shabbat Chanukah. Now, that doesn't always happen, but it can happen. And when it does happen, you would have (coughs) three Torahs that would be read. There would be the Torah reading of the week. There would be the Torah reading specially for Hanukkah. And there would be the Torah reading um, especially for Rosh Chodesh. Now, if we think about um, other occasions, there are only two others. And that is, one is, if Parshat Shkalim, which is read on the a couple of Shabbos before Purim is if it lines up um, according to a certain permutation of when Purim would fall out. If it fell out on Shabbat and Rosh Chodesh, you would have once again a triple header possibility. Three Torahs that would be read and the one would be the Parsha of the week that would be pertaining to that particular week. The second one, Rosh Chodesh, and the third one, of course, Shkalim, that extra uh, portion read all about the need to give and bring the half shekel donations. And the other one, the last one, is the one that's coming up on the Shabbos. The only other possibility of a time when three Torahs are read, one after the other. From the first, we're going to read the Parsha Tazria. From the second, we're going to read about Rosh Chodesh. And from the third, HaChodesh. And there is a system to that. Why do we do it in that order? One may have thought, I guess, that we should maybe do them in uh, some kind of an order of importance. If we think about it, well, the mitzvah that was given first 
should be read first. That is the mitzvah of Achodesh Azelachem. Maybe that should take precedence over all the other Torahs or the, or the other portions that are read. But I say just tell us that everything in Judaism needs to follow a certain synchronicity and a certain principle. And the principle of lining things up when it comes to what do we do first always follows the rule of Tadir V'She'enu Tadir, Tadir Koydem. It's a principle in Jewish law, which means if there is something that is regular and there is something that is not regular, the regular thing comes first. Let's use a very practical example to demonstrate this. Well, guys would know that when they put on their talus and tefillin in the morning, that we first put on our talus and then we put on our tefillin. We should not first put on tefillin and then talus. And it follows the same principle. Tadir v'sheinu, tadir, tadir kodem, which means if there is something that is regular and something that is not as regular, the regular comes first. Well, you might say, tefillin is regular. I put on tefillin every day. Aha. But you don't put on tefillin on Shabbos. You don't put on tefillin on Yom Tov. And because the talus is put on every single day, no matter whether it is Shabbat, Yom Tov, weekday, and so on, talus comes first. It is the more regular. So we first put on talus, and then we would put on tefillin, which are not as regular as the talus. Now, a similar rule will apply to this coming Shabbos, when we have the three Torahs. You want to know which one is read first? The one in the system of the Parshiot of the week. Each week we read a Parsha in a system. That is Todir. That is something that is regular. The regular Parshiot. Each week, no matter what, Shabbat after Shabbat after Shabbat, unless there's something unusual that intervenes, a Yom Tov and so on that falls on that Shabbat. But otherwise, it is the regular Parsha of the week that comes first. What is next regular? Next regular, well, that must be Rosh Chodesh. Rosh Chodesh, Torah readings are done every Rosh Chodesh. That's at least 12 times a year or 11 times a year in a, uh, in a, in a, in a usual year, 12 times if it's uh, an unusual year. And why? Because on the Rosh Hashanah, we do not actually read the Rosh Chodesh uh, Torah reading. So therefore, that's the way that that lines up. And sometimes it's even two days of Rosh Chodesh, and therefore it would be read on two days in that particular month. So it's read much more often than HaChodesh. HaChodesh is read once in the regular system of things, but when it's singled out for Shabbat HaChodesh, it is only read once a year. And so that, while it takes pride of place and being at the end, and we do a special Haftorah that pertains to HaChodesh, that speaks about uh, this great and wonderful mitzvah, of having to set up the Jewish calendar, that is the system. We go for the most regular first, then the next regular, and then the one that is the most unusual. And so that will be the system. First Torah, Tazria. Second Torah, Rosh Chodesh. Third Torah is going to be the Torah from which we read, HaChodesh HaZelachem. And so this is the system that we're going to follow on this coming Shabbat. Now, you should be thinking, and you need to think, and we need to think about the fact that this is something exceptional that is going to happen on the Shabbos. It's not every week uh, that we take out three Torahs. You've just heard how rare an occasion it actually is. And because it's such a rare occasion, we should make sure that we are in shul to hear these, uh, to witness it, and to hear these Torahs being read from, and to see the incredible sight of having three Torahs taken out of the Aron Kodesh, three Torahs that are read from, three Hagbas, three Glilas, three events around Torah 
that are going to take place on this coming Shabbat in shuls around the world. Of course, it's in shuls where you have more than one Torah. If you don't have one, you can roll the Torah and read from it, but it's better, preferable if you can have three Torahs from which uh, we'll derive this incredible, incredible impact. Now, there were many, and it was an old tradition that on a Shabbat, when more than one Torah is read, that we actually double up on certain of our foods. So the concept um, was actually played out in many, many homes around the world and custom to have an extra kugel, an extra uh, potato pancake uh, mix or a uh, so on made into a kugel. You all know what a kugel is. Um, and we're talking about not in the colloquial sense, but we're talking about, of course, in the Shabbat kind of a sense that we have <coughs> an extra one uh, for each Torah that is taken out of the Oren Kodesh. So on this Shabbos, you would have three. Three different ones. Why? Because we're trying to emphasize the importance of how this is a Shabbos with so many different kind of dimensions. It's got not only the dimension of the Parsha of the week, and um, let's call it a regular Shabbos, um, although there's nothing regular about Shabbos, so to speak, in, the, uh, in that sense. We've got this idea of Shabbat in its usualness, and then the Shabbat in its exceptional. Uh, status of being Shabbat and having Rosh Chodesh emblazoned upon it. And then finally, of course, elevate it to the next level where we've got HaChodesh on top of that as well. It's a triple header, a triple, triple emphasis, a beautiful, beautiful opportunity for us to delve into, to think about and to enjoy the incredible power of a power-packed Shabbat filled with different messages and different ideas and different ideals on this coming Shabbat, Shabbat Rosh Chodesh and Shabbat HaChodesh. When we think about the last of the three, the idea of HaChodesh HaZelachem, the first mitzvah that was given to the Jewish people before we left Egypt, yes, before we got to Egypt and before we got to Mount Sinai, we had this beautiful mitzvah that was given to us, which basically instructs the Jewish people to keep a calendar. And then our calendar needs to be based not only on the moon, but of course, taking into account the seasons and therefore the sun, taking into account all the things in our environment, everything that influences our days and our seasons and the days of the week and so on. And to line it all up and to have it all um, in sync with our uh, Yomim Tovim, our Yom Tifs, and the first Yom Tif, that we know that we were instructed to celebrate at that time is the Yom Tov of Pesach. And so, of course, this is why it is in such close proximity to Pesach. Pesach is coming up, yes, from Rosh Chodesh up until Pesach is exactly two weeks. Two weeks later, we are going to be celebrating Pesach. It's daunting and a little bit scary if we think about the fact that Pesach is only just over two weeks away. Yes, a little scary for most of us, but that is the way that this calendar runs. And it's by design to have our calendar set up in such a way that Pesach is this dominant first featured Chag in the system of the months, the festival of our redemption, the festival of our freedom. Now, when we take the majority of people, we think about uh, the concept of freedom. The majority of people, I guess, would say that the idea, the concept of freedom is the ability to do whatever we want. No, that's not what Torah thinks about freedom. Freedom in a Jewish sense is freedom to be able to do what God wants. Freedom to be able to do what we were designed for. Freedom to be able to do what we are here for and freedom to be able to 
fulfill whatever it is that we were sent into this earthly space to be able to achieve and accomplish. It's not freedom to do whatever we want because when we do whatever we want, well, that is actually very often the workings of our animal soul, of our physical, of our material. Um, and that's not necessarily what we really want. What you really want is on a much deeper level. So it's really to do what your soul wants. It's really to do what your godliness wants. It's really to do what Hashem wants, what God wants from us. This is the idea of freedom. This was the most heinous crime that the Egyptians and many, many of their ilk before and after uh, did to the Jewish people was to deny us our ability to actually function as Jews, to be able to do what we needed to do um, in order to elevate the world, in order to bring holiness, in order to bring Kedusha um, to the entire world. This is our job in order to be able to fulfill God's Torah here on earth, in order to be able to fulfill all the mitzvot that we're instructed to do. This is what we are redeemed for. This is what we are freed to do. So our freedom is in direct relation uh, to the giving of the Torah, which came later, and our freedom is really all about not exchanging one kind of a bondage to another. Very often people dominated by themselves, their own egos and their own uh, physical, uh, material, rational uh, machinations are very often caught up in a different kind of a bondage, a bondage that sometimes is far, far worse than something that may even be forced upon us from the outside. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. Hi and welcome back. And of course, we're talking about time and how time actually works from a Jewish point of view. Well, HaChodesh HaZelachem kind of gives us the instruction to sanctify time, to realize just how important time is to each and every one of us. Time is not only of the essence, but time is something without which we cannot function and we need to function in a timeless time-bound kind of a fashion. All of our mitzvahs revolve around time. And so, of course, HaChodesh HaZelachem, putting the whole system into place, making sure that our calendar functions correctly, making sure that our Yomim Tovim are in the right time, and making sure that we appreciate the sanctity of time itself. But there is something very, very important and very significant in the fact that if we take a look carefully at Torah, at the way that our sages have taught us about our calendar, there seem to be two beginnings. In fact, we talk about two heads of the year. The one head, of course, being, as we mentioned, Rosh Hashanah. The other one being right now, at the time of Pesach, at the time of Nisan. Well, which one is it? Which one is really the head of the year? In fact, Judaism, Judaism will tell us, and we need to understand, that they are actually interconnected, and they're actually depicting perhaps some different phases or some different parts of the whole entire Jewish experience. Let's think about it. What does Rosh Hashanah actually celebrate? Creation of the world, the time when Adam was made, the time when we were created, the time we were put on earth. What does Pesach celebrate? What does Nisan celebrate and what does it commemorate? It commemorates and celebrates the time when we got out of Egypt, when we became a people, when we had a purpose, when we had a mission, and when we were about to embark on our journey to Sinai to receive the Torah. And so we kind of have these two overlaid different 
heads of the year. There is one head, let's call it, that has got to do with our physical material existence. Is that more important than our spiritual? I think not. We should think again. Surely it is our spiritual that is more dominant, that is more important, that is more imperative for us to follow. Is it only about our physical existence or is it perhaps also about our, on a more spiritual plane, the things that we've got to do as Jews, the functions that we have to perform? You know, there is a similar argument or a similar discussion when it comes to teaching children Torah. Where do we begin? Do we begin with the mitzvahs that they're supposed to do or do we begin with telling them the story? From Bereshit bara Elohim, from the beginning that God created the heavens and the earth. Surely the first thing you've got to instruct a child is that a child should know what they've got to do. We can come back. In fact, isn't that the way that the Torah was instructed to us and that we agreed to accept it in the first place? Naseva Nishma, that we will first do it and then we'll listen. Let's hear the history afterwards. Maybe, and perhaps there is a suggestion here. That when it comes to the month of Nisan, when we talk about the time of our Geula, the time of our redemption, the time of our formation into being a cohesive people, the time of, the, of when we got those first mitzvot of actually having time and understanding how our calendar works and making sure that we celebrate Pesach and celebrating our redemption, which only led to our being instructed at Mount Sinai how to perform this wonderful gift that God gave us of his Torah and his mitzvot, that this is the way that, in fact, we are supposed to run our lives. Which one is more dominant? Well, the answer is, from a Jewish point of view, both. We need to actually have both, and therefore they come at a different time, perhaps, during the year, to give us that opportunity, six months apart, to reevaluate, to take a look from a different perspective, what my life and what our lives and what our meaning is truly all about, how we have to perform, what we've got to do, how we've got to function. This is a time of celebration. It's a time of joy. It's a time of simcha. It's a time of redemption. But it's also a time for us to reflect on the things that are the most important in every uh, part of our lives, the things that we need to do at all times. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. So as we get into this coming Shabbos and this coming week, we are really into the throes of Pesach. We are beginning our Pesach redemption. We're beginning our Pesach celebration, not only are we making sure that our houses are spick and span and not only are we preparing our guest lists and not only are we making sure that we've stocked up on everything and usually we stock up on everything and anything and everything that we need and everything that we don't need as well. When it comes to Pesach, it's like a strange kind of a hyper frenzy that we get into and that we worry that we're going to run out in the week of Pesach. I'm not sure how that could ever happen in a Jewish home. And we also get into a frenzy about all the other things that we're supposed to do now. So let's take it calm. Let's calm down and let's make sure that we have whatever is essential from a Jewish point of view in our homes and in our hearts and in our minds about Pesach as well. It's a time of geula. It's a time of redemption. It's a time of joy. It's a time of happiness. And we need to try and think what bondage is all about, what freedom is all about, and what we're going to do with it. We have so many things ahead of us that we could do. We could, um, and we are at liberty. And thank God we live in a country and a time and a space where we can 
do our mitzvahs. Nobody is holding us back. We're the only ones who are. Nobody is holding us back from learning Torah. We are the only ones who are. We have the opportunity to learn more. We have the opportunity to study more. We have the opportunity to go to our shuls. Shuls are open and functioning and flourishing and uh, wonderful. And uh, it's time for people to enjoy um, the sense of community that shuls and the sense of kedusha and holiness that shuls bring. We need to get involved. We need to be involved in those spaces and make sure that our direction of Torah and mitzvot is something that uh, we can justify to God and say, you know, you were well warranted and well, well, well within what we uh, needed for you to have done these wonders and miracles those thousands of years ago. And getting us out of Egypt and taking us on that walk through Sinai in order to receive the Torah and giving us your beautiful Torah for us to be able to not only uh, utilize and bask in the glory and think of how wonderful and beautiful it actually is, but to study it and to do it and to keep it and to integrate it and to put it into work in this world for all mankind, for everybody to be able to to uh, utilize and to learn from and to study from and to grow from and to enable our world to become a much, much brighter beautiful, wonderful place. So, please God, we will recognize the importance of Rosh Chodesh Nisan coming up on Shabbos. The importance of this month, which is ahead of the year, a beginning of a brand new lease on life and a brand new look at what redemption is truly all about. And hopefully God, in turn, will look down upon us and say, you know what, my children, you've understood, you've got the message, and now we can at uh, the drop of a hat, at the blink of an eye, in a moment's notice, bring about the gula, bring about the ultimate redemption, which we hope and we pray for, and we hope that we can learn from the redemptions of old and understand just how great this wonderful redemption of now is actually going to be when Mashiach will come and take us out of this bondage, out of this diaspora, and bring us to the time of peace, of happiness, of wondrousness, with the Gula Ashlema Bahamitit, the with the full and final redemption, when Mashiach will come, please God, very, very soon. I want to wish you a great Shabbat up ahead, the triple header Shabbos. I want to wish you a great rest of the week, and I look forward to being back with you same time, same place next week on another episode of Judaism 101.9.